It is sometimes, um, as I write sermons, that what I finish writing on Thursday or Friday, the world changes and it makes no sense any longer and I have to come back and, and rewrite things on Saturday. It is sometimes that what I preach or what I write during the week, something happens in the world that, that connects in a way that's important. I think the latter, and I hope the latter, is a little true today. What I mentioned is, what I want to mention and remind us today is the Sunday of Peace. It's a day that we remember that we are called to be a people of peace. But yesterday our community was disrupted by a threat that that peace might be taken by the threat of violence. There's much about the events of yesterday that cancels things that are very important to us that I do not fully understand. But there's three things at such times I would ask you to consider. I'd ask us to consider to connect head and heart. And in doing so, remember that God is a God of peace and desires us to be people of peace. Take time to learn about Emmett Till and what his life and story means to us and what it can teach us today in what can be a difficult world. And the third thing is pray. Pray for the peace that we all long for, that it might be seen and heard in us. And I pray that today as we think about peace, that this word from Paul might guide us in a helpful way. Now, in regards to that letter, it might be significant that earlier in this letter, he includes in his greeting um, Prisca and, and Achaia as those he's greeting. Now, we know them from a, from a story that we found in, in the book of Acts in chapter 18. These two women were leaders in the early church, and they were very highly regarded in their leadership. Now, we know that they had, before this letter, been expelled from Rome by the Emperor Claudius. But persecutions, as was tended today, were sometimes worse than, than at other times. Things seemed to have eased, and they're back in Rome after Nero likely suspended such edicts. Now, why do I share that with you? Well, because peace had been disrupted there, and, but now they're back. Things are, are so that they can lead the church again. But before leaving the church that they served, predominantly these were Jewish Christians who had been in Rome. When they come back, everything seems to be changing. Now, Gentile Christians, those who had not been a part of their, their community before, seem to be the predominant makeup of the church now. Now, this was wonderful. This was an affirmation of, of Paul's ministry to take the gospel to the Gentiles, but it was creating significant and important struggles in that community, and that's why he wrote this letter. These are the things he wants to address. Think about it this way. The followers of Jesus, whose roots were in places like Galilee and Jerusalem, they grew up attending synagogue and perhaps going to the temple every, in Jerusalem every Passover. And much of Jesus' life and customs and traditions and ways and, and views they could relate with, they were obtainable and they could grasp them and understand them. They had shared much of the same kind of life and perspective as Christ would have. However, as Paul shared the gospel, opened, to do, opened the doors of the church to the wider community, these Gentiles entered into what would be a very different world for them. Going to synagogue or, or going to the temple on Passover was never a part of their religious experience. For them to join in, in Christian worship and and fellowship for the very first time would have been a very, very different experience for them. 
They were, by all measures, outsiders. It was upon them to find a way to fit in and to, and to matter and to belong as others, but it was always hard. This early and budding church was growing. It was open to Jew and Gentile, and they increasingly struggled in this growing diversity of religious and lived experiences. Hence, we have so much language from Paul here and in other places about unity and, and welcome, respect, mutual love. And just look at our passage today. It says, welcome to one another. Welcome one another, therefore, as Christ has welcomed you. Christ has become a servant of the circumcised, the insiders here, in order to confirm the promises. Yet so that the Gentiles, those who were tending to be outsiders, might glorify God for his mercies, rejoice with his people. These folks didn't know, they didn't follow, didn't understand God in life as did those in this new community. They ate foods that were forbidden by religious codes. They had never circumcised their little boys as part of their religious faith or tradition. They didn't know by heart the stories of Abraham or, or Joshua or David or Moses. They weren't part of the lineage, you might say. So as you can imagine, it made some folks uncomfortable. Some felt that these new folks needed to get on board. <laughs> they needed to honor and respect and understand all the traditions that had brought them so far along the way. Inversely, the Gentiles, these new folks, well, maybe they could have respected the traditions and the, the customs more than they did at times, hence the struggles. But for Paul, simply put, such things that bring divisions ought not to. He tells them to think, to think in this way is to ignore what God had been, been doing the whole time. And that's why he goes all the way back to Isaiah C. This is what God has always been doing. He wants them to see that the growth of this diverse church was the fulfillment. It was the confirmation of that ancient promise into them, made to them in Christ and at Pentecost. There is no longer a Jew or a Gentile, Greek, male or female, rich or poor. There is now one body of Christ made up of all of us. There's no longer insider and outsider. And because of Christ's redeeming act, we can now finally live in harmony with one another, as Paul says. And let me pause here to say that perhaps you share with me to the depth of my soul, this is the world I long for. This is the church I desire for and work for. Where diversity is celebrated. The world needs to see that very different kind of people can live together, can worship together, can serve together, and do it undivided. Because God doesn't favor one over the other. And we can do this now. We do not have to wait because of God's mercy. However, as we sometimes see then and now, the world... The people of God's community can have a hard time seeing this, can have a hard time living into this. Now, I had something of an epiphany this week. I know, it's Advent, but epiphanies can come anytime they want to. <laughs> January 6th, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, well, a preacher, who is it? There's a preacher out there. Yeah. Well, epiphany came to me this week, sorry. But I was rereading this letter. And I noticed that 
over all these years, at some point, I'm not sure when it was, I began to read this letter as if I were an insider. I'm not an insider. Not really. I've only been a part of the church just a little over half my life at this point. Yes, I've been ordained, and I've got a religious studies degree from on top of the hill up here on the third floor of Cherry Hall, which is the highest point and the holiest point on campus, by the way. <laughs> and growing up, I never went to Sunday school. I didn't, I wasn't in any children's Christmas plays. I didn't go through confirmation and didn't go on any mission trips or Camp Lucan. Not my experience. I still, in fact, sometimes read the words of the Apostles' Creed and of the Lord's Prayer, not because I don't know them by heart at this point, but because when I started going to church, I didn't know those words, and I had to read along where everyone else in the sanctuary put their hymnals down because they'd heard them for as long as they could remember. It wasn't me, so I still read them today most often. And I shared part of that story with someone this week, last couple of weeks, and I was interested in their response. They said to me, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you didn't get those experiences growing up. And I never thought of it that way. And I wasn't offended by that, but I don't feel cheated out of anything. I'm not sorry about the path that led me to God's love. Don't get me wrong. I love to hear people talk about your favorite Sunday school teachers and your lovely time in, in, in the church and your childhood. And I'm glad that my child will have them as well. But to this very day, I do not feel I, I missed out on anything because my path was just different. It wasn't the same as most in the church. And there's always going to be a part of me that is something of an outsider. And that's not a bad thing. God has always put people in front of me in my life who have taught me that God loves me unconditionally. God has always put people in my path who would teach me what it is to connect head and heart, to be thinking and loving people. God has always put people in front of me that show me what love is and what it looks like. And there are even those like me in the scriptures too. I particularly love the Ethiopian. You see, there was an Ethiopian in, in, in the Gospels or in Acts that had, uh, had access to the scriptures and he was reading them, but he needed someone to walk with him to teach him. I get him. And God sent that, right? That's what God does. Outsiders, insiders, God finds us all. Not just some of us. And that's what unites us. So whether God found you in the church or God found you somewhere else, it was God's act of finding you. We live in a world that draws boundaries everywhere these days. And in just about every way we can imagine, and we start learning this as soon as we start going to school, right? But it stays with us. Insider and outsider groups. Those who are dominant are given power. And, and those who are in the minority are kept from said power. And, and we see it in business and education and politics and even in the church. Paul calls us to a different way. To a different way of seeing and living and relating. He calls us to accept and love each other. And he specifically means regardless of what group you think you're a part of. If you're a part of the in-group, make it your job to welcome those who don't fit in. If you're part of the out-group, 
Know that when you're here, God does not love you any less than anyone else here. You are no less and no more important. God in Christ has welcomed us all in this very way, just as we are. But accepting that is one thing. To live it, it's a whole other thing. This is where the, ru- the rubber meets the proverbial road, right? So tall, that's why Paul talks about living in harmony, because it, the church lacked it. Not one person here today, I can imagine, would ever argue with me that we do not need to live in harmony. And at the same time, I venture to guess that none of you would disagree that it's never easy to live in harmony. Even so, Paul will not let us off the hook just because it's hard. Yes, unity can be hard. But exactly because it is hard is why it's more important that we accept and love each other. It's as if Paul is saying to all of humanity, remember when God found you? Remember that God chose you even though you were hard to love? Do the same with each other, even if you're different, even when it's hard to love. Love anyway. I've contemplated an idea this, this week, and I'll ask you to contemplate it with me. This idea is, says that the search for God begins with our acceptance of human beings. Do we believe this is true? Or as another person put it, do we believe that we only love as God as much as the person we love the least. I think there's truth in both. I think they're both worth pondering. Because here we are at the cusp of the Advent season, and we're moving towards celebrating that God and Emmanuel came to us in the birth of Christ to meet us here in spite of who we can be. And we believe that the Holy One accepted us even though we had rejected Him. So imagine with me today a church. Imagine with me a world that's made up of people who are so different that it almost makes no sense when they come together in one space together. Now you decide for yourself what constitutes a very different person or very different people. That's up to you. It may be one for another and maybe something else for somebody else. Imagine that room for a moment. Because if you can imagine that room, then you have captured a vision of the church that Paul had. That's what Paul sees in the church. But it was not Paul's vision. He was not running around on his own doing this. He reverted back to Isaiah. He knew that Isaiah had a vision. He accepted that vision. And thankfully, Isaiah wrote it down for us. And here's what Isaiah said this world looks like when very different people live together he says it looks like a wolf living with a lamb it looks like a leopard lying down with a goat it looks like a calf and a lion and a yearling hanging out together it looks like a cow having dinner with a bear it looks like a lion eating straw just like an ox. Folks, that vision makes no sense to our world. That vision seems impossible in the world. 
But it's not impossible in the kingdom. Because there this will be true. And they will neither harm nor destroy each other in all God's holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that world? Can you imagine that vision, that unity, that peace? Can you imagine this in every home, in every community, in every congregation? Can you imagine this kind of different community where weapons are melted down because there is no threat of violence anymore? Can you imagine that? Well, if you can, if just beginning to understand that, then you're beginning to understand what Advent is about. And we can begin to understand what we're waiting for. And what we're waiting for is peace. Lord, may the day come when this is true for us all. We have a moment where this becomes true. And it's the Lord's table. And we will come to this table in all of our differences. But drawn together by God's redeeming love. So I invite you to open your hymnals to page 13. As we come to Christ's table together. As you'll notice during the great Thanksgiving, the words may be a little different.